2: I go to things like onion and garlic and fresh like ginger so often to build flavor and I also go to fresh herbs. So I do like dried herbs, but fresh herbs like cilantro, parsley, thyme, tarragon. I mean, I love using fresh herbs to build flavor as well and it's a very different kind of flavor.
1: Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids.
0: Hey, I'm Megan and I'm Stacy. Stacy, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> do you not know? Do you no, not know Megan? It's just a weird recording time because we had a bye week last week and you are currently in the middle of your Peruvian vacation for spring break.
1: Oh so back. I- I'm actually back. <laughs> Even like through the airwaves and physically. This week I am back. And it's a really, actually, it's a really good time to be talking about spices this week because Ah. my kids have been eating a different cuisine and they've been expanding their palates for two weeks, eating ceviche and such like. But yeah, this week we're talking about spices and how to spice up your cooking and get more adventurous because I feel like so many home cooks Really, just rely on the like same old like salt, pepper, maybe like onion powder, garlic powder. I don't know. What do you think most American cooks like have uh, I in feel their like spice like that's cabinet? Me.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have spice-averse kids, so I sort of shied away from spicy foods, and which is kind of like accidentally turned me off to like lots of herbs and other flavorful ingredients for a couple years. Um so I am excited to dive into today's topic because I feel like having a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, like it is time for me to get back some spice in my life. Yeah, but
1: you know, you bring up a really <laughs> good point because you you have spice in your life, Megan. <laughs> you spiced a little bit silly. You hot to <laughs> Um, but, um, I do think that people conflate spice and heat, right? So that's something that happens a lot. And our guest today, Kanchan of... She has a site called Spice Spice Baby, but you guys probably know her more from her Instagram. She is Chief Spice Mama, and she also does amazing videos for BuzzFeed Tasty. Um, She talks a little bit about kind of separating the two. Um, She has been feeding her kids really flavorful foods with... um, spices that Americans might think are a little bit exotic. She grew up in India until she was in college age, basically. So um, her kids have been eating really well, boldly spiced food since they were young, but not super spicy foods, actually. So we talk a little bit about that distinction.
0: Yeah, she says this great thing, all spices are not spicy. Right. Which I think is like a, is a, a, a a nomenclature thing, for lack of a better term. Like, we think of spicy as meaning hot heat, like cayenne heat. But all, like, cardamom is a spice, but it's not spicy. No, it's, it's like warm, warm and, and flavorful and, sexy and sort and of delish. sweet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's actually my favorite spice. I love that you named cardamom.
0: Yeah, I will I after talking with Kanchan, I was like I need more cardamom in my life. Like she speaks so beautifully about it. And as someone who loves cinnamon and sort of like loves that warm sweetness, cardamom's a perfect complement to that and something else to use in both savory and sweet dishes. So,
1: what are your favorite spices? I mean, are you really like do you keep it super like Onion powder, garlic powder, oregano, salt, pepper.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting you say this because right after our Marie Kondo episode, I Marie Kondoed my spice drawer and mm. like got rid of a lot of things that were expired and and like dialed back to what I really use. And Kanchan talks about this like she has five favorites and they, they're kind of like they hit all these separate notes of like – sort of warm, sort of acidic. And, and that was like really inspiring to think, oh, I, I really only do need a handful. My, one of my favorites is sumac, which we talk about with her yep. because it sort of has some of the notes of paprika in that sort of like sweet, savory, smoky thing, but it also has this bright acidity that I really love. And for fried chicken or like chicken nuggets, it's amazing. We use a lot of dried herbs, like dried oregano. I love cumin. I love cinnamon and nutmeg. I love them in partnership or separately. On a daily basis, I use a lot of garlic and onion powder and, and or garlic and onion as them their whole selves. What about yes. you? What are your favorite spices? Oh, so my
1: spice drawer, I also, I clean it out regularly. Um, And Kanchan's going to talk to us a little bit about why that's important and making sure that your ground spices, that you don't keep them around too long. So I cook with spices a lot. I have a ton of them, but I buy them in small quantities and I try to rotate them out. But um, I really love um, spice combinations. Mm -hmm. We use za'atar all the time. Which What it is in za'atar?
0: You don't have to get it exactly correct if you can't remember, but yeah, it's like so it spices has, and seeds and herbs. Yes. It
1: has sesame seeds for sure. It has, I think it has a little bit of oregano. Um, I think it might have some thyme yeah. in there as well. Um, does it have some cumin on it, in it? Yes. I don't know. I think it might have some, it has sumac as well. Um, But we'll put it in the show notes. It's a great question. But it's a Middle Eastern um, spice blend that's really delicious. I also, I love sumac. Uh, I'm really
0: obsessed with Aleppo pepper. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I actually wrote this thing for Kitchen last year about this tomato toast that came off of Bon Appetit. And I could not find Aleppo pepper in Boise. And it was like the most frustrating thing. I was trying to follow this Bon Appetit recipe. And that was like the one thing that failed for me. So did it's you, really do you... Hard. I get it from Penzi's. Oh, so you order it online. Yeah. Right. And
1: I get it in small containers because you want it to be, I mean, even this goes for just red pepper flakes too. In theory, you want them to be a little bit, not soft, they're dried pepper flakes, but almost like moist. You know, like when leather is dried out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you can still see a little bit of their oils in them. So you want a small jar and then I pour them into my palm and I just quickly give them a rub with my finger to bring out the oils and to like warm them up. And then I toss them into the oil to cook them a little bit, or if I'm just throwing them on top as a finishing, then I definitely rub them in my palm a little bit longer just to like bring out those oils and warm up the pepper flakes. Um, yeah. So I order Aleppo pepper online, but I also live in um, very close to a big Middle Eastern neighborhood. And I have a lot of
0: Middle Eastern bulk supply stores, food stores nearby. So yeah. I in think a pinch, tu- I can get it nearby. I don't think we touched enough on like buying spices in bulk. Yeah. Um, which is a really brilliant and sort of easy thing that you can do. More and more grocery stores are starting to have bulk sections of spice. And then you can just buy exactly what you need and not buy like a whole jar and then never use it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also like uh, – I recently – uh, developed a taste for dukkah. Is that how you say it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Tell me it's about also that. like a Mediterranean or North African spice blend that has uh, coriander and cumin and fennel and black peppercorn. That's really, really yummy too and really good on chicken. I ended up not putting it in the book, but I was experimenting a lot with trying to use dukkah um, in the chicken cookbook that's coming out next year. What else? And then my kids really love, uh, Oliver is obsessed with nutmeg. He would put it in like everything. And we buy the whole. <laughs> that makes sense though, because he's like your resident baker. Yes. He loves to bake. Yeah, He loves cardamom and nutmeg. Those are his favorites. Oh. And Isaac loves spicy things. Does so, he? Yeah. He loves yeah. hot sauce. He loves a pinch of cayenne. Um, he loves sriracha. He loves fresh ginger grated into things. And he always wants like a little extra because he wants that bite. Growing up, I Isaac had some like really mild sensory, I wouldn't call them issues or challenges, but sensory things that he has since grown out of. But like um, when he was little at his birthday parties, we couldn't sing the birthday song to him. It was too loud. It was too loud. No clapping. Like movie theaters were really scary to him until he got older. The lights going down and the loud, you know, music and volume was too much for him. So I had a theory that the spice was like a very strong sensory input. Yeah, it was too loud in his mouth. But that he liked it. Like, I wonder if he needed it. And I I also wondered if maybe it wasn't as... He didn't experience it as quite as spicy as other kids on his ballot. I don't know. It's just a theory. But I think that that's interesting. And I've always kind of wondered and have... I think that there's this idea that kids with sensory issues tend to be picky. But I have heard of some cases where kids with sensory issues sometimes really also like spicy foods. So anyway, that's something. That's just something to think about. If you have a kid who has sensory issues, maybe picky, but maybe they like a little like heat or a little spice or a little something that just gives them a really good, strong input.
0: Okay, but that's a really good point to bring up and also might be a good segue into our interview is that we as parents, we spend all this time... Doing sensory development for our kids, right? Like we do playing in the rice bins or playing with Play-Doh, like these tactile things. But spice is a sensory (gasps) um, tool that we do not use enough, right? That is so smart, Megan. You're so right. If only I had applied it in real life to my own kids, because they're both like spice averse. But there's still time, right? Like I'm excited to say. Yeah, I'm excited to start introducing more dried herbs and spices, not necessarily more spicy food. Stacy, <laughs> why don't you
1: introduce our guest yeah, today? Yeah, so and- – Kanchan, our guest today, is also going to tell us, get really practical with us. like How do you cook with spices? Which ones should you have on hand? And so on. So without further ado, Kanchan is the woman behind the site and eponymous book, Spice Spice Baby, which we will link to in our show notes. But like I said earlier, you probably know her from her fantastic Instagram, we can't get enough of, Chief Spice Mama. And she also does videos for BuzzFeed. But if that was not impressive enough. She also has a PhD in biomedicine from Harvard University and training from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And she also believes that spices have powerful health boosting properties and she's a kick-ass cook. So who else would we invite to talk about spices with us? So if we're talking to the chief spice mama, the first question has got to be, what is your absolute number one favorite spice and just one? And is there some spice that you absolutely cannot stand?
2: (laughs) Such a tough question, but it's like asking me to pick my favorite child. Um, We'll ask you that next. Right. Right. At least they're not home. So they won't be listening (laughs) and it changes every day. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, you know, I would say my favorite spice is cayenne pepper. Ooh, um, spicy. I am a Love spicy it. spice mama. Like I, all spices are not spicy. And that's something I really try to stress when I talk to people about spices. Because many people think spices are hot every single spice. And it's just not true. But I'm a huge fan of the hot spice. So cayenne pepper on everything as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Correct.
1: Okay. And then what do you not like?
2: That's such a good question. I don't not like any spice. I think I've cultivated a taste for almost every spice, but I will say there is a spice that is probably not familiar to, you know, our audience out here in the U.S. or North America or whatever because it's actually from the Indian subcontinent and it's called carom seed, C-A-R-O-M. Um, We call it Ajwain in India, and it's really funky. It's kind of like in the oregano thyme family. So if anyone has ever tried to take oregano oil because they were fighting their kids cold, they'll know it's kind of intense. (laughs) Um, So it has a lot of those intense notes, like really herbaceous, uh, bitter. So yeah, I would say that was a bit of an acquired taste, but I love it now.
1: And do you cook with it? Or is it something that you use for like therapeutic uses or
2: both? Yeah, both. It's a really amazing digestion aid. So once you can get past the intensity, (laughs) chewing on some carom seeds um, really helps that heavy meal kind of go down easier. Um, I do use it for cooking though. I don't use it that, I don't use that much of it and I don't use it that often because I think the bitter notes are quite off-putting for kids and I'm always trying to cook just one meal for everybody. So yes. Yeah. So right now I I feel like I just chew on it when I've eaten too much at dinner.
1: Okay. So I want to get back to this idea of cayenne. Okay. The fact that you love it. Tell us how old your kids are and how you deal with spiciness when it comes to your kids. Do they like it? Have you always given their food a little bit of heat? Have you built it up over time? Like how do they deal with it?
2: My kids are six and a half and yeah i love all those questions uh they get me so excited so you know i started spice spice baby my blog um and then which led to the book because i wanted to educate parents about how you can mold and cultivate your kids palates to like pretty much anything eventually (laughs) might take some things might take longer than others but i'm indian um originally even though now you know i've lived outside of india for a long time but eating spices All day, every day comes very naturally to me. So, of course, when I started to give my son baby purees at seven, six, seven months of age, I started to spice them up. Uh, Now, I didn't go to the hot spices first because my gut and my intuition told me that that's probably not the best place to start (laughs) for a seven-month-old. And I just felt like there was this world of spices to explore that weren't hot and that were flavor enhancers, aromatic, and really wonderful to build that whiter palette and that more adventurous kind of, you know, taste those adventurous taste buds. So, for example, I would make pear puree um, and I would add a little ground cardamom, which Mm. is floral, luxurious, and not spicy at all. And he loved it. Or I would add cinnamon to sweet potatoes. um, Really, you know, simple combinations of that nature. I would add turmeric to like avocado and lentils. I waited to add the spicy spices. And frankly, if you try to identify the spicy spices, there really aren't that many. Cayenne and the chili pepper family is definitely the most well known. Um, And I have only now started to give my six and a half year old cayenne pepper. He has had some accidental (laughs) exposures, like when we were traveling (laughs) to India or we went to some like, you know, spicy restaurant and he's like jumped up and down and been like, spicy, spicy. (laughs) So he does have a a very wide flavor palette, but he will react to hot food and jump up and down like any other kid. And I'm cool with that. Like, I don't need him to be inhaling Sichuan peppercorns by the boatload (laughs) to be an adventurous eater. You know, I think the hot spicy acceptance, the hot spice kind of acceptance comes with time. But I feel like he's at the point now where he has a more robust, you know, tummy and tongue. And so I do add a little cayenne to say like a chicken curry. I go pretty light on it. I want to build slowly. But yeah, exactly to your point. So there's no age rule. I just decided for my, my son, it was around six, five or six, that I started to uh, add hotter spices and I will build in quantities. So maybe by the time he's 15, he will have like a legitimately spicy curry and I'm fine with that. And did you grow up in India? I did. Yeah. So I spent my first 18 years in India and then I left to come to the US for college um, and the spice love stuck with me. (laughs) And so when were you eating spicy foods? You know, um, I actually asked my mom that question. So I'll tell you a story. I was in India a few years ago and my nanny, um, I had a nanny when I was growing up and she also was our cook and she came to visit. She's retired now and she's lovely. And I was making a lentil dish for my son at the time. He was three. And these were just your like mung beans that, you know, you've stripped off the skin. So they're yellow lentils and you just cook them with cumin seeds and garlic and turmeric. And they're really simple and really delicious. And she was standing by me while I was cooking them and she was like, why aren't you adding the green chili? And I was like, well, he's three years old, you know. (laughs) And she's like, how do you think we taught you how to eat green chilies? And I feel like I've eaten spicy food for as long as I can remember. Like, I don't remember ever not liking spicy food. So it must have been, I don't know, three (laughs) or four. And she said to me, well, we trained your palate. So we would add a whole green chili, not cut like, so the seeds were still contained into the dish and then take it out and then give you that for like a month. And then maybe the next month we would slit it in half, remove the seeds and the pith where a lot of the, you know, the spiciness lies and just put that in to give you a bit more flavor. And then slowly we would add like two seeds or four seeds. So I didn't realize that there had been this systematic effort by my family to, to build this tolerance of heat. Um, like from from when I was very little. So I think that also inspired me to start to add cayenne to my son's food and like build, you know, it doesn't, it's not gonna happen on its own.
1: I love that. I also love this idea of going beyond just the dried spice and thinking about, you know, the whole pepper, the pepper seed, you know, um, using the pepper to infuse. I just developed a recipe recently where I cut the pepper in half Put it in the oil and then scooped the pepper out so that the seeds were exposed to the oil as it sizzled. But I didn't let any of the seeds release into the oil and stay in the sauce. And then I scooped them out. Um, You know, but chili oil is a thing. You know, there are all these different ways to infuse a dish with a little bit of heat that goes beyond just the spice. And that combined with this idea of kind of stepping it up over time and just this idea that they like, there was this concerted effort, (laughs) you know, it's like, we're going to teach how to tolerate heat is also kind of this lovely idea. It's this, you know, it's a piece of the culinary culture, you know, that it's important for someone to be able to tolerate spice. I also kind of just really love
2: yeah, and I love that about the slit, you know, chili pepper in the oil and how you can extract from that one plant or a fruit or whatever, like so many different qualities depending on what part of it you use or in what form you use it. I think that's, yeah, just such a lovely, fun um, addition to like our cooking Process and arsenal, and I will say the other thing is like in countries like India, where spicy food is just you know part and parcel of every day. And also, we when we had traveled to a southern province in China that is uh, has a lot of spicy food, the Sichuan province, there are no children's menus. Um, so this idea that your kids would eat like a bland version of the dish just doesn't exist. So that, you know, and I think, again, like you said, there's this big effort in the culture to educate the palates, to catch up with the food of the culture.
1: So when you're cooking at home here in the States with your young kids, are you mostly cooking with dry spices? You know, we talked about peppers and fruits and vegetables as a way of also spicing up food, but are you really going to your spice cabinet for the most part
0: to build layers of flavor?
2: Ooh, I and personally do.
0: I want to ask, are you using whole or ground spices? And do you have a rule about that?
2: Yeah, so I do have a rule. Um, I'm probably a little bit draconian because I am the spice mama. and have to be strict, but <laughs> I will share leeways that I will allow. Okay. <laughs> but no, so to answer your question, um, I think I use spices a lot for sure. And I predominantly use the dried ones. Um, so I, you know, it's harder to find like the fresh green chili. I have to go all the way to little India to find it. So I'm I'm usually using the dry spices. Um, that said, I go to things like onion and garlic and fresh like ginger so often to build flavor. And I also go to fresh herbs. So I do like dried herbs, but fresh herbs like cilantro, parsley, thyme, tarragon. I mean, I love using fresh herbs to build flavor as well. And it's a very different kind of flavor, you know, uh, like a vibrancy almost at the end of the dish. Um, In terms of ground versus whole, the rule of thumb really is that once you grind the spices, you activate a lot of their magic, which is a good thing. You wake them up. But then as a result of that, they start to lose their potency and aroma pretty quickly. Um, I would say six months. So, You know, after you've ground the spice or you buy so when you buy a spice that's pre-ground, you can safely imagine that it's been sitting on that shelf for I would say more than six months. So you're already buying a spice that's kind of past its prime. It doesn't mean it's bad or it's gonna hurt you. It's just it just means that you're not getting all you could from the spice in terms of flavor, aroma, and all those wonderful things. So I like to buy my spices whole and then grind them in smaller batches myself and use them up within three to six months, and then grind some more. It's also actually more economical. And I use a little spice grinder, just like a Cuisinart or whatever um, coffee grinder that I dedicate to my spices only. And I will say that some people... Are really into that and they're like, you know, oh, that sounds so great. I'll try it. And then some people are like, are you kidding me? Like one yeah. <laughs> additional yes. thing I have to do. And to them, I just say, okay, please don't not use spices because you're not going to grind them yourself. I want yes. you to use them. So, buy them ground, um, but you don't buy like a huge bottle. You know, just buy like smaller amounts. Use them up quickly. Store them away from heat and light. So don't store that. Don't store them near the oven or the microwave because that's again gonna exacerbate the loss of like wonderfulness. Um, and uh, yeah, just just keep them away from heat and light, airtight containers, and use them quickly.
1: That's really great. And when you... Okay, so you're mentioning a small quantity. That's really hard to find in the supermarket. So I don't know if you have a specific recommendation. I know some of the spice companies now have the smaller jars. I think of them as Thimbles. They're not symbols at all. <laughs> I don't know. But compared to those big, tall jars, um, they're kind of like a quarter of the size. But I've recently, I would say in the last, I don't know, several years, have discovered these great online spice stores and mm-hmm. um, Penzies is one that I really like and I've also discovered that they're opening brick and mortar stores um not in New York City unfortunately that I know of at least but I found one in Philadelphia um and I know there are others so it's not like a particular plug it's just one that I found that I like and you can buy in smaller quantities and it's great cuz also the selection is massive so Where do you buy your spices? Do you have any specific recommendations? And do you have a specific recommendation about like what quantity people should be buying their spices in?
2: Yeah, so I'm definitely a spice snob. I'm sorry, Um, (laughs) you know. I no, we
1: we appreciate that. You here, (laughs) yes.
2: Yeah, so most spices that you get in the market are pooled from multiple spice growers. Oh. Um, so they're like co ops, you know. So if you were to try to trace that spice back to the original farm where it grew, you wouldn't be able to do that. It's kind of like drinking a wine from a particular like domain or, you know, versus like the whole region or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I love the single origin spices because once you try them, you'll just never go back to the pooled. There's just, I mean, there's just something so magical and like extra about the flavor and the aroma and everything. So I have a few companies I love again this is not you know I'm not plugging them Uh, they're friends of mine they're entrepreneurs it's it's kind of like a small world there's not that many people really bringing single origin spices to the market because you literally have to go travel and find this farm in the middle of nowhere in like Guatemala and like get all the certification and you know bring it back so it's not an easy endeavor but the couple of entrepreneurs that are doing it I'm huge fans of so the two brands that I love um, the first one would be burlap and barrel that's and you can put it in the show notes maybe they uh the guy ethan is just a lovely uh person he he's basically sells these single origin spices on his website and you can actually use my code cheap spice mama to get a free spice jar i love it (laughs) His spices are next level. They're amazing. He just went to Vietnam to source like star anise, and I can't wait to try it. He has a wider range of spices, um, and they're wonderful. And then I also love um, this company called Diaspora Co. And I think you can use the code Spice Spice Baby for 20% off. (laughs) Um, For turmeric, that's single origin from this one farm in India. It's like higher in curcumin, which is the beneficial compound in turmeric. It is also next level.
1: We just shared them on our Facebook page. Oh, you did? I somehow came across them, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, she's great. Sana, the founder, is lovely. And the turmeric is seriously, like, amazing. And they do some social good, too. Oh, yeah, both companies do, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the thing is that usually when you're a spice farmer and your spices are pooled and sold, like you see no money. So this is a much fairer spice trade, kind of like coffee, you know? Yes. Um, so yeah, I just like Chocolate supporting too. those brands. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then if you don't like, I would say if you, those, those brands are trying to increase their inventory, but if you just want a wider selection, I want to check out the store that you mentioned, Penzies. Yeah. But I do also like uh, Frontier Co-op, which is a brand you can find at yes. Whole Foods. Yep.
0: I know I'm familiar with Frontier. Great. That's so helpful. I love that. And we will, we'll add all of those into the show notes so people Absolutely. can find them and the discount codes. It's amazing. Thank you. Sure.
1: So if you were going to tell a cook who's just, let's say they're like, okay, I'm super into this. I'm just going to like start fresh. What's the basic set of starter spices that you would recommend? That's just like beyond salt, pepper, Onion powder, dried oregano, you know, like the typical things that I think people tend to grab without thinking.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to limit myself to five. Otherwise, I'm going to talk for 45 minutes about your (laughs) must-have spices. So I love to suggest turmeric as a starter spice, not just because it is incredibly good for you, and that's like a a whole topic for another day, but it's just like has all these amazing beneficial compounds and science is validating all their amazingness as we speak. It's also like a very, I feel like it has a very mild um, flavor profile once it's cooked so it's doesn't offend anyone that is new to spices so it's a great starter spice and it works with so many different preparations you can put it in a lentil soup you can uh, do it you know you can add it to like a spice rub for roast chicken or fish Um, I even put it in my scrambled eggs you can of course make golden milk and then make like overnight oats with that so it's a really versatile and mild flavored spice with a lot of benefits. So I love turmeric in the starter kit. I also love cayenne because it's my favorite but I think you do need one heat in, heat providing spice in the kit. And again it's like it's it's a hot spice but it also has these citrusy and sweet notes that kind of build so um it's it's just really great to kind of elevate a dish you can add it while you're cooking or you can add it at the end for a little pick-me-up and heat Um, it's actually really lovely on fruit like a mango like a like a Really ripe mango or a guava, if you can find that in New York City. And also great with chocolate ice cream, chili and chocolate. Mm. (laughs) Um, I also love sumac, which I honestly discovered only in the last five years as I started talking more about spices and exploring that world. Because I didn't grow up with sumac in India. It's not a spice we have there. It's a Middle Eastern spice. Mm -hmm. It comes from this burgundy-hued berry on a bush. And oh, it's like lemon without the liquid. So it's just like lip-smackingly delicious. Anytime you want to add lemony zing to something, you can use sumac. On salads, we roast cauliflower with it all the time, and my two-year-old goes crazy for it. I don't think she's ever had cauliflower without sumac. Um, it's really lovely with sweet potato fries, like you know, so many different vegetables or chicken, fish. Great on a on a boiled egg. So that's three, and then if I would... anyone's
1: gone to a Middle Eastern restaurant and gotten like chicken kebabs with like a deep burgundy or plum kind of speckle on it. I feel like people have probably seen it and maybe not even known what it is. That's yes. sumac.
2: Seriously, um, my favorite. Yeah, it's delicious.
1: I love that suggestion.
2: Then I would say cardamom uh, because at least all of us mamas are always trying to bake things for our kids. And I pretty much put cardamom in every single thing I bake. And the reason is it's like a hack. It's a health hack cardamom somehow adds luxury and sweetness to things that allows you to get away with less sugar. So if I'm baking muffins or if I'm making banana bread and I add some ground cardamom, I just find it tastes like dessert with less sugar. So I love using it in smoothies and oatmeal, but also in all my baked goods in pancakes. You can put it in your own spiced chai. I have a recipe for that in my cookbook and I have it every single morning and it's really wonderful. And so, yeah, cardamom is just like really beautiful. So that's four. And then if I have to say my fifth one. Um, I would probably throw paprika in there. So again, I think, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's in the cayenne pepper family, but it's not spicy. So the paprika spice comes from the sweeter peppers in the family. Um, Really great for kids. And again, has a lot of really cool health benefits and very mild on the palate. You can get a smoked paprika, which has a little bit more oomph, oven roasted potatoes with olive oil, garlic, and smoked paprika, and you will never miss a French fry again. So good, and my kids love it too. So those would be my kind of starter recommendations.
1: I love that. And when you combine all of this with fresh onion, garlic, ginger, and then some fresh herbs, if you have on hand, like you said, uh, cilantro, parsley. If you have that stuff in your fridge and in your you know, pantry, you can do so, so much with that handful of ingredients. You can create so many flavors across so many different cuisines.
2: Absolutely. And just one thing I'll say is I talk to my kids about the spices that I'm adding to their foods, and I sometimes will even get my son to help me grind up the cardamom. And it's really so fun and such a hands-on way to get them involved in what they're eating. Great tip for picky kids. Um, They tend to, you know, be more likely to eat something they feel like they've helped create. So I love getting kids involved with spices, which are like such a sensory thing to explore.
1: Okay. I have a very practical side note question. How do you ground car- <laughs> cardamom? Yeah. So nutmeg, I always buy whole nutmeg. Like yes. I cannot go back to pre-ground nutmeg. Whole
2: nutmeg on a microplane. Yes. yes right? Life changing. Life um, changing. Cardamom. So, so I'm my glad you asked cuz lots of people have like never favorite. seen a cardamom pod.
1: <laughs> and I get the, I get cardamom pods and I get ground cardamom. It's my favorite. So the cardamom pods I'll just throw in like milk when I want like a warm glass of milk or I'll use that Cardamom infused milk for my coffee or for tea. But then, how do
2: I ground the pods? Okay, I have to do that in a grinder? grinder. Right. So in that green cardamom pod, if you were to smash it open with Mm -hmm. like the back of a, a, you know, a flat end of a knife or even your like mortar and pestle, you'll see these oily black seeds. And that's actually the cardamom spice. The pod protects the seeds. So if you are using the whole pod, I always recommend gently kind of breaking it open. And then adding that to your coffee or your milk or your chai, you're just going to get a lot more flavor because you're contacting <gasps> uh, the, the actual uh, spice, which is the black seeds. <laughs> so you've been missing out. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> Oops. Okay. Like for me, I'm like, uh, and drop
0: the mic. I'm done. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, proof Megan. You, we still have so much to learn about <laughs> spices, right? <laughs> So I have a question though about the cardamom, like once you break out the little seeds and you grind those for ground cardamom, can you use the skins of the pods to do like what Stacy's talking about, sort of infusing or using them in chai, infusing them in liquids to so get like a twofer almost? Uh,
2: yeah, you're not going to, no, I mean, I would use, <laughs> I would use the whole pod with the seeds, like with the pod smashed open so the seeds are exposed and then put that whole kind of slightly open pod into whatever you want to infuse because the seeds are where the magic lies and where all the flavor lies. If you are going to do a big batch and you want to grind it in a coffee grinder, you can actually just grind up the whole pods and the seeds together. You'll get a bit of a like a like a black cardamom with some shreds from the pod and that's fine if that makes sense. But the pod alone... Um, it does have some volatile oils and flavor, but much less than when you would combine it with the seeds.
0: Okay, good to know. And sort of like along the lines of talking about how you can use different parts of the pepper for different intensity, which I feel like is just brilliant and so helpful for someone who might be intimidated by using spices for their home cooking or for their kids.
1: It's my favorite thing that you keep using the word magic.
2: <laughs> because... I my husband makes fun of me for that. No,
1: it's like (laughs) it's actually making my like heart sing because I do think that home cooks who don't really explore their spice drawers enough which is not to say that they have to, you know, invest in tons of spices and, and have tons of stuff. I mean, it's, I also love that you just gave us five spices to start with, you know, it doesn't have to be that you have 50 spices, but just experimenting with new spices, um, because they have no fat, they have therapeutic properties Tons of flavors. You can use them plain. You can use them in combination. And it can really transform your cooking, you know, from taking a simple, humble vegetable or cut of chicken to, you know, from plain to something completely mouthwatering or something that your child rejects, you know, like cauliflower mm, to something that they can't get enough of. And it just really, and it's just so simple. It's a matter of knowing which spice you like or which couple of spices go well together. And then you know, sprinkling it on in the right quantity. So all of that does take some learning. I'm not underestimating that. But once you get the hang of it, you know, you really don't need to measure that much. You can kind of eyeball, you can know your favorites, know your favorite combinations, and then really just kind of use it to, you know, freely. And it doesn't take much time and then you have something that's really easy to throw together very quickly that everybody in the family loves, that doesn't take a whole lot of work. Um, and that's what this is all about. You know, the busy family cook, that's what we're always searching for and those kinds of quick solutions. Um, and spices have that, hold that for us in so many ways.
2: Yep. I couldn't have said it better than you. Completely agree. And I'd just like to make one point, which is that spices have been part of our history for thousands of Mm. years, 8,000 years, and our ancestors fought wars for them. Mm. And Christopher Columbus was searching for them when he accidentally landed on America. So enough said. They are magical indeed.
1: (laughs) Right? Like these are, this is important people. (laughs) Yeah, I said, I realized as I was kind of waxing poetic, I use the word combinations a lot. And it occurred to me, I didn't ask you about your favorite combinations. We asked you about your favorite spices, but how about some simple combinations that you think work really well to give easy hits of big flavor to your cooking?
2: Yeah. So I love to do coriander seed with garlic and mustard on chicken and throw Mm -hmm. it in the oven and everybody's like wow what is this super simple there's just something about the pepperiness and the lemon notes of coriander with the garlic and the mustard you know and it's literally three things in a marinade can't go wrong the sumac cauliflower i will say again because it really is really really elevates cauliflower um my kids love it uh we literally haven't done cauliflower any other way since I feel like banana and cardamom are a match made in heaven. So I will sometimes make banana bread and definitely put cardamom there. But even if we're doing a banana like uh, nice cream, tricking <laughs> the kids, you know, like freezing yeah. the. I don't want to say tricking, but just whatever, nourishing the kids, let's say. Putting the frozen banana into the, putting the banana into the freezer, pulling it out, and then just running it in a high-speed blender to make like ice cream, one ingredient ice cream. Add some cardamom to that, and that is really um, special So and then the other ones would be um, cinnamon in everything but here's something I'm going to suggest. So people know cinnamon goes really well with sweet um, kind of dessert-like things. I mean people think of the holidays when they think of cinnamon but cinnamon is really lovely in savory preparations as well. So if you're making a meat-based or lentil-based bolognese um, you can add cinnamon and paprika to that. Make it a little bit more exciting. And I also love adding cinnamon to Taco Tuesday beef tacos. So we use ground beef, um, throw in some veg, and we'll add cinnamon, and it just adds this kind of smoky, peppery, sweet um, zing. And, you know, everybody goes crazy over it.
1: That's so funny because my grandmother, so I'm first generation Greek, and my grandmother's Greek style meat sauce. I don't know if you've ever had pastizzo. Pastizzo is like a Greek style lasagna. That it, made, but it sounds amazing. It's it's really good. So it's made with um uh like a bucatini style pasta, which is um long spaghetti-like pasta, but it's a tube with a hole in the middle. And then uh that's tossed with a meat sauce, and then it has a layer of bechamel on top and also like a little bit of um, meat sauce, a layer on in between as well. And the meat sauce has cinnamon in it. And she puts a tiny bit of nutmeg in the bechamel as well.
2: Mm. And so,
1: you know, then she started making just like meat sauce on the side when she wouldn't make pastizo. It would just be like pasta with her meat sauce. And it always had cinnamon in it. So I have these very... Like warm, happy, cozy memories of meat sauce and bolognese Greek style with cinnamon in it. Um, and I've always wondered, I meant to look it up and I never have, if that's a Greek thing in general or a my grandma thing, but I think it's a Greek thing.
2: Yeah. And you know, um, historically, cinnamon was used in the preservation of meat because it has these natural antibacterial properties. So makes sense pre refrigeration times that if we wanted to preserve you know the meat that we hunted, we needed to keep it sort of safe and sterile, and people used cinnamon for that, so cinnamon and meat are actually a great combination, and I'm sure a lot of cultures do it, and wow that's probably why your grandma does too
1: so Growing up in the United States, we ate a lot of Chinese takeout, and I always heard that MSG was something to avoid. It was no good for your cooking. It was no good for your health. But now, food writers are talking about how that's all a myth, and actually, it's just fine for you not only that, it actually makes your food taste delicious. And I've been too afraid to use it because of how I grew up and what I thought of it growing up. But I don't know. Do you know anything about MSG? Have you used it ever? Do you
2: cook with it? I just like you grew up, grew up um being told that MSG was bad and you should avoid it and <clears throat> seek out the Chinese restaurants that don't use it. And then mm-hmm. when I did, I was like, well, this doesn't taste as good. Yeah. So You know, MSG is really fascinating. I have looked into it. So it's monosodium glutamate, and it's derived from glutamic acid, which is a natural um, amino acid. And it's found naturally in a lot of foods like tomatoes, grapes, cheese, mushrooms. And people think of it as lending that umami flavor to foods, which is why it's so lovely when you add it to things. Um, The data that claimed that MSG is bad for you um, were actually very shaky. And apparently, I think, if I recall correctly, the scientists that published this one paper that got everybody like up in a tizzy, retracted his findings. Because So so somehow it's stuck that MSG is bad, but actually the data that that was based on was very shaky. So <laughs> oh. I don't know that there's enough evidence to say that it's bad to have MSG. Um, you know, I will say that People respond to it differently. So personally, I can handle it in small quantities. But if I do overdo it at the Chinese buffet, I do feel just very bloated um, and maybe like a little headachey and super dehydrated. Again, nothing, yeah. you know, nothing like horrendous that can't be fixed by just a lot of water and maybe a, a day of like eating less. But yeah. I really think it depends. I don't use it in my own cooking. Uh, I don't avoid it like the plague, but I also don't try to eat it every day just because of the way my body reacts to it. But I do think it's not as harmful as we were told. um, And it is an amazing flavor enhancer. The one thing I will say is that there are studies linking it to childhood obesity, which was interesting. And I think that's because It's such um, a wonderful flavor enhancer that it can cause you to overeat. So if you're exposed to it all the time, it might make whatever you're eating so highly palatable that you just end up eating more than you need, kind of. And if you do that often, you know, that's not healthy. So It's
1: like sprinkling potato chips over everything. (laughs)
2: Right, right. You make everything better. You're like, "Mm, (laughs) more, 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 more. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay. One last question about it, just a really practical question, because sometimes I think that people don't aren't familiar with how to cook spices or with spices rather to really enhance how they work or to like work with spices so that they taste as good as they can possibly taste. And sometimes you get that powdery flavor, especially if they're not super fresh. So- When you pull those dried spices or herbs out of the cabinet, what do you do to make sure that they make your food taste absolutely delicious?
2: So fat and heat will wake spices up. So if you are sitting on a stash of like a not very fresh, you know, ground paprika, for example, if you just warm it up in a little olive oil, that is really going to wake that spice up. So I definitely like to use spices with oil as a fat source or butter and, and some heat. Now that said, I think you get a different flavor profile if you warm the spice up in a fat source versus if you sprinkle it on the top of the dish and I would like to suggest to our listeners that you actually try both in the same dish. Oh,
1: I love that.
2: Um so yeah, so for example, if you're using let's say paprika again and you're doing like a frittata like, you know, with some potatoes, maybe a little swiss chard, a little sausage, um you have the paprika in the oil, allow it to bloom and wake up and then make your frittata, and then at the top you sprinkle a little paprika again. So you're getting kind of two versions of the same spice. Um, It's a really nice way, kind of like we were talking about earlier, you know, to use it in a few different ways. But generally speaking, fat and heat will activate the spice to be even more flavorful.
1: That's great. And how about fresh herbs? Do you need the same for fresh herbs?
2: I like to use fresh herbs as a finishing touch um, because I love their vibrancy while they're fresh. I may on, on occasion for example if I do a fresh basil pesto and I do it on a salmon I will give it just like 30 seconds of heat under the broiler but I wouldn't cook the salmon for the 18 minutes with the pesto on top if that makes sense. So I really like the freshness of the fresh herbs but sometimes a little heat is also nice to modify the flavor slightly. Too much I heat, and it. I think you lose a lot from the. Fresh I agree grapes. with you, mm-hmm. and
1: you—you you actually can see it in the color, yes, right?
2: It goes from green to brown.
1: <laughs> yes, totally. Uh, I feel like we could talk forever, forever. Could. I could talk to you, so I think you might just have to come back.
2: I would love that. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for
1: talking to us. And um, we'll have to grab some recipes from your site and from your book. We'll list everything in the show notes. And um, I have a feeling that we're going to be telling your book and your site for a long time to come because all of these different spice combinations and recipes are so delicious in such a simple way to elevate our home cooking.
2: They truly are. Thank you for allowing me to share my love of them. Yeah. Thank you for being here. We'll talk more soon. We can't leave this
0: episode with also mentioning that Kanchan has a new podcast coming out in the next couple yes, months. And how we, excited are we for that? We'll be sure to share when her... Um, podcast is live. Do we? I don't know the name of it yet. Do you, Stacey? No, she doesn't even know the name of it yet, oh. I don't think. Do you want to place any wagers on if it's going to be Spice Spice Baby? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Makes it easy to find her, right? It does.
1: But we will update everybody on our website and on our social media as soon as we know the details. Yes.
0: I really enjoyed talking with her. Um, but I think we should get a discussion going in our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners group, too, about what spices all of our listeners use at home and which ones they maybe have trouble finding. And we can kind of crowdsource ideas for how to get more spice in all of our lives. I like it. We need more spice, ladies. We need more spice. And, and cats. Speaking of, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to make this a segue into our top yeah, three I food emojis. I, and I, I don't can. know if I I can. can. Okay. Do it, Stacey. Do it. I
1: can, because my three emojis, two of three of them, are booze this week. Oh my gosh. That's what a surprise? surprise, Megan. It is a surprise because I'm not really a big drinker. I know. But it's the it's- martini glass, the more tropical drink glass, and then the Chinese takeout container. And I'll huh. tell you this. Um Vacation mode. I don't
0: know what to say. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, is this about re-entry into real life post-vacation? I think it it must be. Probably. I hope that everyone's been following you on Instagram. (laughs) I almost called you at didn't I just feed you, which you're there too, but you're at Stacey Billis on Instagram for all your Peruvian adventures and then apparently a lot of takeout that you're going to be eating this coming week. (laughs) Um, meal planning. Okay, stir and scribble. What are mine? Okay, yes. I just discovered this must be new, or maybe I'm just behind the times that there's a cupcake emoji. Um, I have cupcake, ch- a chicken wing, it's actually probably a turkey leg, but I'm grilling a lot of chicken this week nice. in, in preparation for a you story for approve. a kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> chicken, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then the croissant emoji. Oh, yeah, I don't know, baked goods. We were on a hunt for um, pastries while we were in Lake Tahoe for spring break. So maybe that's why. Hey, listen, Megan,
1: I approve. Cupcakes, croissants, and chicken. (laughs) I mean,
0: (laughs) I'm down. Not a single vegetable between (laughs) the two of us.
1: Hey, spring break mode, man. Spring
0: break mode. (laughs) Well, as we dive back into our real lives after spring break, be sure to find us at Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also join our private listeners group. The answer to the secret question is whiskey, which is always a little bit funny because we like to joke about drinking, but both Stacey and I are kind of lightweight. It's like (laughs) we have one glass of wine a week at the most. Anyways. And most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you
1: don't miss a single episode. And if you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and also leave a review on iTunes because it makes our hearts fill with
0: joy. Even when they tell you to stop talking about your cookbook. It's true. (laughs) I still love reading every single one. We still love you. We still love you. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editor, Jeremy Enns, Samantha Gatsik, and the team of Counterweight Creatives. I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed until next week.
2: Thanks for listening. Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes and subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding us kids and families. Mom. I want a
0: snack, is that all? Are there more? Stay safe and well fed. Until next time.